On this episode of Blending Bourbon, be sure to join Dixon Deadman of 2XO Whiskey and myself, David Mark Young from Golden Sheaf, as we talk with Colin Spolman from Kings County Distillery and how he started their operation, what they're up to today, and all of the amazing things that they have in their future. Blending Bourbon is the podcast that takes you beyond the barrel and behind the scenes of the whiskey industry with master blenders Dixon Deadman and David Mark Young. Welcome to another episode of Blending Bourbon, a podcast sponsored by Golden Sheaf. My name is Dixon Deadman from 2XO Whiskey. As always, I'm joined by my partner in crime and former male hair model, um, Mr. David Mark Young, blender, owner, proprietor, um, and all the things at... uh, at Golden Sheaf. Sorry, I, just, I had to do that. Um, yeah. You did, didn't you? Yeah, <laughs> I so. knew I would regret that. <laughs> yeah, I, you should have never sent me that picture. Um, never again will I be vulnerable mm-hmm. and transparent. Uh, <laughs> you'll you'll do you'll slip up again, and I'll make you pay for it. <laughs> well, that was a blast from the past. Hi, Dixon. Hey, buddy. How are you today? I'm I'm good. I'm good. 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 Yeah. Thanks for sharing that picture. I was hoping that would come uh-huh. up. Yeah, um, it would. We're gonna we're gonna subtly just skip right over that one and and uh, get really? right into the. <laughs> I don't know. You want to talk about it? <laughs> I might need a therapy session after that. <laughs> That's what this is, isn't it? Is that what this is? I yeah. think so. <laughs> Whiskey and therapy. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, I think the reason I shared that picture was because, and I and I've given this so much thought, probably way too much <laughs> thought, because you guys, I don't know if you're being facetious. Or if this is envy, or I, I don't know what's going on, but there's this reference to my hair, which uh, I'm 50 years old, so I'm grateful to have hair. And oh, you got a strong <laughs> head of lettuce there. Don't don't talk like that, <laughs> That was back in the day, and uh, yeah, gosh, I don't even want to go into to, to detail about what was going on in that picture, but. Um, well, just so you know, it is it's the it's the wallpaper on my cell phone. Just so you know. <laughs> well, I, I've truly been thinking. It actually kept me up a little bit at night trying to think. Gosh, how do I respond to that? Mm-hmm. Do I just sit and kind of? So I've been trying to figure that out. So, so I think I'm just gonna. I just let it go, man. Just let it go. Shake my head and say thanks. Yeah. Appreciate it and move on. Yes, let's move on. Here we are. Here we are on episode number. I have no idea, um, but we've got quite a few under our belt, and we've got quite a few banked. Um, this particular episode, I'm super psyched about. I, I love when we have guests on. Um, today, we are honored to have Colin Spolman himself from Kings County Distillery. Um, this is where I get uh, fanboyish, um, and Kings County is one of my all-time favorites. My brother introduced me to, to Kings County bourbon years ago. Um, this is when you guys had uh, screw caps on the bottles, and they just looked very – it reminded me of some of the um, the historic bottles I have from Golden Sheaf. You know, they, they, mm-hmm. they look um, – uh, you know, like legacy types of bottles. You guys have done a really good job. But uh, It's funny you should without, mention that, David. Without further ado – Ladies and gentlemen, Colin Spolman, welcome to our podcast. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. 
I want to I want to share something with you, Colin. This is pretty yeah. cool. So um, when I first like was just into bourbon before I'd started anything, I it had to be what what year did you start putting stuff into the market? Oh, and like 2010 was when we first started selling anything, mostly in New York. Okay, I think I think it was like 2012, maybe 2013. And that was when all the Facebook groups were real big. Like you're always in a Facebook, mm-hmm. like all the bourbon groups. And and I remember um, we hosted a big group that I was very active in at the end here in Kentucky. And my wife's like, who are these people that are coming down that you're spending the weekend with? And I'm like, oh, just people I met on the internet, you know, which is like super <laughs> yeah, right. weird or whatever. Um, but there was a guy that brought me um, – this this box oh yeah sure yeah um and as you said david the old school um and this one this king's county distillery bourbon whiskey was from barrel number 104 so i don't know if you can date that one or how how far back that one goes or whatever but i've got i've got barrel 104 and and, mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and he's like, have you tried it? And I was like, no, this is way too cool. Like, I don't want to. <laughs> right. This is just, this is really cool. I have it. I have the box open. Like people all the time are kind of picking it up in my office and like this, what is this? This is, this is awesome. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. anyway, yeah. thought I'd, sh- thought I'd, yeah, thought I'd show you, you that. It was pretty cool. <laughs> it's it, well, it's a thing that because the bottles are so small, it's a little easier for it to get around. You know, mm-hmm. it, it, it was a, you know, I, I feel like that was part of being in New York city is that people shop very differently for booze than anywhere else. Cause they don't want to carry, you know, three, seven fifties back to their apartment, you know? So people tended to really embrace the smaller formats. Whereas you go anywhere else in America and people are like, what are you trying to cheat me with this 375? <laughs> you know, right. people get all upset that you're, you got a 375 or a 200 ml. So, um, but I mean, you know, I feel like the good, the good news of it is that it did get kind of around to, to people that, um, were, you know, genuinely, genuinely curious about like bourbon being made outside of Kentucky, which at the time, you know, was, was a little unusual. Right. And now, you know, is is everybody sort of embraced this, uh, reality and colin you have ties to kentucky is that right oh yeah 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 okay i uh i was born in kentucky i lived okay my entire uh misspent youth in kentucky <laughs> and uh really sort of in the like eastern kentucky which <laughs> if, you're, mm-hmm. if you're if you know kentucky eastern kentucky is the like um moonshine and coal mining and uh marijuana and shooting people kind of part of the state and <laughs> yeah my sister lives there and loves it loves it down there <laughs> yeah, yeah no i mean it's um it's cool um but then you know i moved to new york and everybody's kind of like oh kentucky fried chicken and bourbon you know <laughs> so i was like okay well actually i'm not really part from that part of kentucky but eventually i just embraced it and was sort of like okay bourbon sure I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll do that, but I'll do you one better. And I've got this moonshine that I picked up last time I was in Eastern Kentucky and you want to try some and everybody was like, Oh yeah, yeah, definitely want to try some. And it was terrible stuff. I mean, it was just, 
it's not not good stuff but the you know it's, new somewhere. york city is a very um culinary and adventurous sort of place so people were kind of you know and and you couldn't get real moonshine you know that was something that prior to 2000 uh, you know prior to like the moonshiner show on tv and everything kind of blowing up in the moonshine world um people were genuinely kind of curious about it and and you know eager to try it at parties yeah like, like that. so that's how i, I kind of got i've heard about this let's see what the hell this is all about right. kind of thing yeah yeah so really like setting it on fire so that people could see that if it's a blue flame it's safe <laughs> to drink and... i did foolishly set it on fire in uh, <laughs> not in my apartment but on the roof of my apartment and um as you may know, it's actually quite difficult to put out an alcohol <laughs> right. fire. Yeah. And so uh, that was a party trick that I did once and, and never did again. <laughs> but, um, you know, this gives you, this was, I was a little younger when this all takes place. So it, it maybe makes a little bit more sense in that context. So if you could go back to kind of when you began down the path of, what you're doing now what what was the what were the influences what were the you know the key things that that intrigued you and and influenced you to to to, to get into whiskey and bourbon producing whiskey right and right well i mean it was not you know it was just sort of picking up from that that moment when i've got this moonshine in my apartment and and everybody's kind of curious about it and i think you know how, how hard could it be to just instead of going back to Kentucky, couldn't I just make this stuff? I mean, I'm getting it from the drummer to my high school band who's got some connection to some guy who's got some connection to some other guy, you know, and I could just save myself a little bit of trouble. And so, um, and the internet was making things like talking about moonshine, you know, you could do it anonymously and kind of get some information and get pointed to the right places to buy a still. I mean, I think, Historically, if you wanted to make moonshine, you had to build your own still. Yeah. And I think there was a moment in the, you know, sort of late 90s, early 2000, uh, mid 2000s, where you could actually, you know, start to buy a still, mm -hmm. look on the internet on how to run it, get a book, you know, it was just like there was more information available. And some of that stuff, um, which, which kind of led um, hobby distillers, which is what a moonshiner really is, in a, in a certain sense to come come out of the woodwork a little bit online and kind of share that kind of information. So uh, with my um, roommate at the time, we got a still off the internet and started puttering around with it, not necessarily with the intention to start a craft distillery and what that sort of contemporary sense means, but I was just going to, I don't know, see if I could do it. You know, it was just one mm -hmm. of those like challenges and I made some and shared it with people and they were like, well, this tastes like garbage. Why, 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 why can't you make it taste good? And I was like, okay. I mean, if that's what you want, uh, that's the first Challenge time anybody accepted. has ever, that's the first time anybody has asked me to improve the taste of moonshine because what do you think you're drinking in the first place? Right. And hence that was the first distinction between, you know, sort of Kentucky moonshine and like Brooklyn moonshine is that there was some sort of expectation that the Brooklyn stuff should be good, you know, and, and, and that there, you know, as opposed to in Kentucky where you're drinking moonshine, you're just, you know, getting there fast as, as far as I'm concerned. 
So, uh, so, you know, and then I was like genuinely sort of curious about that. And, and, you know, everybody sort of understands that time improves whiskey, but nobody spends a whole lot of time thinking about what are the other variables that make whiskey good. Right. You know, if you have two zero year old whiskeys, what makes one very, t- you know, palatable and one not very palatable. So, um, so that's how I got interested in then doing iterations on this kind of moonshine thing and eventually came up with a, you know, double pot distilled white whiskey that really, to some extent, you know, I was going around to restaurants and white whiskey was kind of having a moment back in 2010. Mm-hmm. And so I heard this is like 2008, nine and kind of shared it with people in a sort of blind tasting context and would just say, well, okay, one of these I made and three of these are on your back bar. Which one, you know, which one do you like? And, you know, nine times out of 10, they would pick the stuff that I, that I had made. And that was the sort of confidence threshold. Now this is being compared against like something called Virginia lightning and, you know, uh, Georgia moon and, and some, you know, of the commercially, available white whiskeys at the time they were all sort of gimmicky and aiming at a yeah. you know aiming at the kentucky audience not the brooklyn audience so it was a little bit of just adapting to the sort of situation in front of me um but that gave that sort of blind tasting series was enough to kind of get the confidence to go well maybe we should look for a lawyer and get a license and kind of get this out of my apartment <laughs> and and go legitimate and so that is when my college roommate david haskell and i sat down and you know looked in the looked for a lawyer looked for the the new york laws around distilling and you know kind of realized that it was a good time to get into distilling and in fact um you know, the, the the license fee was even being reduced that particular year because they created what's called a farm distillery. And so it was going to be $128. Federal license was free. So from a sort of cost of getting up and running, it was not that expensive. And I could just take my apartment still over to the commercially licensed distillery and throw it in there. And we got four more of those little hobby stills. And it was enough to kind of like get going and you know get the brand into liquor stores and started with moonshine started with white whiskey but kind of very quickly realized that that would have maybe a limited appeal and so once you go down the road of distilling and immediately your first question is well what is this going to taste like after a year in a barrel or two years in a barrel or 25 years in a barrel you know i mean it's just a never-ending sort of um uh mystique that you immediately begin to pursue so um so that that's what got us started then two years after that we moved to brooklyn navy yard into this historical building beautiful building and um and that that is where we have been for the past 11 years and you know i think if we started by making moonshine and um a chocolate whiskey and some kind of um you know, sort of whiskeys that were designed to kind of be a little out there or or not necessarily going for the like whiskey connoisseur. I think always my intent was to make really great whiskeys, whether that was unaged whiskey or two year whiskey or four year whiskeys. Um, but you just that obviously that takes time. So you start laying down your whiskey and it's only 
really now that we have seven, eight year old stuff and um, have kind of caught up to the contempt, you know, the, to our peers in the Kentucky world who are, you know, aging things that long. And simultaneously, the world of American whiskey has changed so much right. that any of the older whiskey that was 25 bucks on the shelf is now $125 on the shelf. Mm-hmm. And so there's price parity, there's age parity. Um, and I think, you know, people who were immediately dismissive of a New York whiskey have kind of come around and they're kind of curious. And, and we've sort of shied away from doing Kentucky bourbon in Brooklyn, but we're doing, you know, something different. We're doing something that's a little bit at the intersection of Kentucky tradition and Scotch tradition and Irish tradition and moonshine tradition. You know, it's, it's kind of like a little bit of a grab bag. Right. Yeah. Is that, is that kind of in reference to like grain bills kind of thing, or is it um, the pot still type thing, or is it a little bit of all of that? I mean, it, it ends up being a little bit of all of that um, in terms of pot stills, obviously is a big distinction. Um, using different size barrels is, you know, it, in, it's not common in the U S but it's more common in, in Scotland. Um, we do a high malt bourbon, so it's 20% malted barley, 80% corn. So the flavor grain is malted barley. Um, that's a bit unusual. We ferment off the grain. That's a little bit, you know, more like scotch. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think even ultimately we put a lot of, like, if there's an author to our whiskeys, it's Ryan, who is our head blender, as opposed to the head distiller. And that's also, I think, maybe a little bit more of a scotch approach where the the sensory person is the author of the whiskey is not the, the, the operator of the equipment, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. sometimes those are the same people, but increasingly it's, it's, it's not. So, um, so, you know, those are, and, but also in the styles of whiskey that we're doing, we're doing a high malt bourbon, but then we also do a peated bourbon mm-hmm. and we have an American single malt. We have a rye whiskey. That's, um, that's uh, a high, high rye rye whiskey um so kind of just in in existing in this kind of like let's let's kind of not necessarily make straight you know straight bourbon and straight rye whiskey and and kind of play around as much as we can um knowing that our audience is probably more international than you know most most localities you know if we were in chicago we might do the business slightly differently. If we were in San Francisco, we might do the business slightly differently. But um, in New York, you know, we, we have a very international whiskey audience mm-hmm. for sure. Oh yeah, yeah. And at some point, uh, if, if you know, for folks listening if, or watching, if you've never visited uh, Kings County Distillery in Brooklyn, it's it's an incredible experience. And I, you know, I'm really curious how that converged. How you know, it sounds like you've got this uh, knowledge and experience in your, you know, e- evolving your products. And then and you just kind of kind of jumped right into it. And then we moved into your your current location, which mm-hmm. you're absolutely mm-hmm. right. It's absolutely. And I'm going to tell you a real quick story. Um, the the first time um, uh, first time I visited the distillery. So I was actually I think I was like up near columbus circle kind of the opposite side of manhattan 
and it mm-hmm. was getting late in the day and I was all day long. I was thinking, I want to get out of this meeting and get down to Kings County. And, and, uh, my meeting kept going later and later. So long story short, I get out of there and I call, Hey, what time are your tours? And you know, do I have time? And, and they said, yeah, yeah, about 15 minutes. <laughs> so I, so I, tell, I tell them where I'm at and they said, oh, don't worry. And, and then, and as I'm kind of heading in that direction, I'm trying to select my, uh, you know, the best route to get there. Do I get a cab? Do I get an Uber? Do I go underground? Do I, and so I end up jumping on the subway and, and heading that direction. And, and by the time I come pop up above ground, it's pouring rain. And, and so I've got, you know, two or three blocks from the, the, the you know, terminal there and i so i'm sprinting and i'm in you know full suit tie all the things and and they said take your time you know we'll wait for you um so i'm watching my you know the time and so i'm sprinting this is where all my all my marathon training comes in yeah i bet i bet your hair was a mess it was it happened (laughs) yeah um so i and next thing you know i get there and i boom i pop in the doors and i'm just stripping wet and they somebody greets me and says, "Oh, you must be Dave. Welcome." And it was, yeah, you know, I was so panicked, like I'm going to miss this, but I have to get there. And everybody was so friendly and welcoming. And they even, even the there were two or three couples that mm-hmm. were waiting for the tour to begin, and they said, "No, no worries." Everybody was really cool. So they gave me time to sit and kind of dry out a little bit, and then uh, have a little little cocktail before, prior to beginning the tour. And then, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm just in just loving this experience you know we're down looking at the stills and we're in the barrel room and we're you know and then we're in the little classroom there and you were actually standing there um with a group of folks talking about something and um and and i'm really big into history golden chief has a Mm -hmm. pretty rich history and um and so i'm asking questions and and i and i and i'm thinking is that colin right there is that Colin? i want to i just want to say hi and hope you know hopefully i didn't want to leave the tour abruptly because they waited for me but i wanted to with with you and yeah long story short i I didn't get a chance to come over and say hi but um i did get to chat with uh some of the folks there and um gosh it was just such a wonderful experience and i I didn't want to leave i it was just it was Mm -hmm. i've been there a few times since then um and I, I know at the time you guys were doing these quarterly uh, presentations um, that, you know, you bring folks in and talk about history and all of the mm-hmm. things. And I had shared kind of what I was um, getting into with Golden Sheaf. And at the time, I just kind of um, secured a few trademarks and, you know, really just starting to get going. And they invited me to come out and... Um, share that story it, it never panned out uh, covid happened mm-hmm. unfortunately mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. Uh, um yeah hopefully we can revisit that sometime but it, it, such a wonderful experience it, incredible place well, How we should you stumble we upon should, that because... you <clears throat> well right yeah so i mean you, you history is important right i mean you, you brought that up because uh obviously we're in this very historical part even of new york city and new york city has this great history i mean it's just mm-hmm. you can't you know, you, you walk over a subway grade and a homeless person and, you know, you go into like a Starbucks and it was like Alexander Hamilton slept, you know, in the in the bathroom, you know. Right. So, uh, so, you know, it was just kind of a little bit coincidental and a little fortuitous um, that the Navy Yard um, was looking for new tenants and they were kind of recruiting for tenants. The Navy Yard is, is the old Brooklyn 
shipbuilding for the U.S. Navy, but also now run by the city of New York as a kind of small business incubator. So they, they really approached us as um, kind of, you know, it was a fit for their program. And we were dead set on being in Williamsburg, which is like, you know, the cool neighborhood and whatever. Right. But 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 there, there were no buildings that were, you know, it would have been just like a garage, you know, nothing particularly exciting on the architectural front. And then I went and got to go, I was kind of into architecture and kind of into history. So I was like, well, well I'll just take this guy's tour and see just more as a way to get into the Navy Yard, which is not open to the public, and get to kind of go exploring in these old, you know, buildings that are falling apart that were from 100 yeah. years ago. And saw that the, the building that we're in, the Paymaster, and was just like, oh, we have to change our plans. This is this is so much better than what we were going to be doing. Yeah. And because the city is our landlord, it's actually a, a smart move because now 10 years later, we've had to kind of, you know, our lease was up. So we had to, and fortunately for the, for us and not necessarily for all the distilleries in town, you know, when your lease is up, they'll put up an apartment building, you know, the, mm-hmm. the land is very valuable in New York. And so, um, so we've been lucky both in that regard, both to have a great space and also to be sort of able to, con- to somewhat, you know, depend on being there for a long time to come, which is very important for whiskey because it's a long game. So it's funny we, you know, we've had a couple people who were dumb enough to agree to join our podcast and, and you, you've, Welcome to the club. Yeah. You've, you've joined that, um, that, yeah. that really, um, and one of the things that we've talked about with a lot of, a lot of people and, and, and David and I've talked, um, at length, you know, I talk about starting Kentucky Owl, man. I mean, I, I almost did it because, enough people told me that I couldn't, you know, and, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and we, we put some stuff together and, and with, with the, the entire plan was if it doesn't work out, I've got a bunch of whiskey to pour at my kids' weddings one day or whatever. Like we didn't, <laughs> right. we did right. not have a plan. We, we did not. Um, and we, you know, my partner at that time and I were, I kind of followed suit with him. He just had this, he, he just, he, he could feel out a situation and he made, very smart business decisions and all his things. And, you know, we, we kind of followed that. And then, um, you know, but it, you know, that, that whole, like the genesis of the whole thing was kind of like, well, this would be cool. And I know people keep saying you're crazy, but I've been called that my whole life. So let's just run with it. And then, and, 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 to a certain extent, David, you know, we, he's running into some of the things we all ran into when you're, when you're kind of in that sourcing game, it's like, oh man, I, I was kind of building this plan around this steady supply of this liquid and this is changing and this is, you know, and, and like, I'm curious, do you, you know, are you kind of like us in that whole, like, let's just, let's just go with it and see what happens or are you all very strategic? Like, right. okay. We want to be at this many cases in two years, and this many cases at year eight, and this you know is, is it you kind of like, is it like man, I just love what I'm doing, and let's just see where it goes, kind of thing. Uh, that's I think it's more directed than that. I mean, we're definitely trying to grow the business, but to grow the business in a you know, I mean, we're just making as much as we can possibly make, mm-hmm. and that's and but we're small, you know, so that's not ever going to be. Um, a rival to 
you know, I mean, it's, it's still going to be even, even when we are, you know, five times bigger than we are now, we'll still be a pretty small brand, maybe a national, you know, we hope to be kind of in the best stores in the best States, you know, like yeah. in, 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 you know, and have some international distribution, but not necessarily like grow at any cost, take over the world. Um, you know, I mean, we didn't use a column still. We, you know, we've made a lot of decisions throughout the whole thing to kind of go away from the commercial choice. <laughs> and sometimes, you know, I mean, as fun as it is to run a small business, at some point you want it to be a little bit bigger business. And, and that's definitely like very baked in, like we can't deviate. Like next year we'll have 20% more cases than we had this year. And the year after that we'll have maybe 35% more cases than this mm -hmm. year, but it's, it's pretty fixed. Yeah. And with the way whiskey is right now, I mean, we'll sell it all, <laughs> you know, like sales right. is not a problem. Oh, yeah. So, you know, it is, it does become a little bit like, well, then the fun of it is just kind of, it's all kind of set up. I mean, if we didn't make it four years ago, we don't have it. So in, in a, in a way it's, it's nice that it is dependable. I mean, that's the sort of, and I guess I'll say instead of contracts for, you know, source barrels, I still have to get contracts for the wood, which is right. increasingly hard yeah. to come by. And, um, you know, there's, there's, there's plenty of things that, that create challenges on the day to day that, um, ultimately probably aren't that different. Um, so, you know, it is, I, I, yeah, it's a different, a little bit of a different game because it, it uh, there's no like big, <laughs> like opportunity to flip it to a strategic company. Um, and that, but it's also not like a family business in the sense that like, mm -hmm. I'm going to like hand it to my kids. It is this kind of like mid-sized small mm -hmm. business that, um, that, you know, so far so good. It's, it's kind of, um, for me, there's, I love, I still love whiskey, you know, like that, um, has not changed at all. And I feel like the open, the, the landscape of whiskey has gotten more accepting of kind of exactly what we're doing. So that's been pretty exciting. And, um, and I guess, you know, like, yeah, I mean, it's just, there's, there's yeah. a lot of exciting stuff happening in American whiskey. It's a great time to be in this business as opposed to something like beer, which is declining right. or, or hard seltzers, which are a fad or, you know, um, it does well, feel like a very, I've said it many times, long-term business. You know, I, I just spent 14 weeks on the road and, and, uh, you know, it's not a terrible thing if you're traveling to be traveling, selling whiskey and drinking bourbon with people. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of glad right. I'm, I'm not like Tommy boy out there trying to sell brake pads. Cause I don't think I'd, I'd enjoy yeah. it near as much. Um, right. Yeah, I mean, if, you know, I mean, it can be a little bit of a hard road where you are traveling a lot and you're <laughs> drinking a lot and that, you know, at a certain point, it's nice to be back home and to like mellow out a little bit. Um, but COVID kind of was that, you know? Yeah, like, yeah, that for sure. A nice break yeah. from everything. Um, so, you know, I think, yeah, 
It's a, it's so is that is that kind of the plan? Like you just you know you you you're increase production every year. You know you're moving what you got. You got this great little team that you work with that you enjoy, and you all are building yeah. something together. And it's, I mean, I, listen, I, I I lived that world for a little while where you where I was partnered with a large monster machine and uh-huh. and and you know I, that kind of takes some of your soul a little bit you know and yeah i haven't heard too many people say how great it is you know so i'm i'm somewhat cautious in that regard but also like you know i'm it's a business and the goal of a business is to make money and i feel like i've built something that has some value so you know at a certain point i'm not going to say oh i would never sell because I would definitely sell. Yeah. Somebody yeah never to, say never. Somebody wants to overpay for it, you know, great, cool. Sure. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Yeah. But, I, you know, I think it's, um, I don't necessarily want to change what I do for a living. And this is kind of what I want to do for as long as I'm working, you know. There, there's it's a pretty good, like, collective of, of New York and New York State distillers mm-hmm. up mm-hmm. there. I mean, do you all have a, like, do you get together? Do you all connect do you is that is that kind of a thing or not really it it has been more of a thing with um empire rye i mean i used to consider every other distiller in new york state my you know bitter enemy because you know like yeah. day. uh <laughs> and that's like you know it's cage match we're all fighting for the same shelf space and all that stuff so uh and i'm, I'm a very competitive person but then we then Nicole Austin, who worked for us for a long time, um, and got together with some of the other New York distillers. She was much more friendly with our enemies, and um, hatched this idea to do something called Empire Rye, which was to be a rye whiskey that each of the distillers would make according to the same recipe from New York grain distilled in New York. Um, and I thought, I don't know, who's like, who cares? You know, like. Uh, it, what, what, what really differentiates it is the flavor and what we're doing that's like, you know, the, the pot stills and all this. Like, who cares just that it's New York grown rye? I don't think anybody's going to care about that. But I was wrong. Everybody cares about that. Geography is very important in, in the way that people think about whiskey. And to have something that belonged to New York as opposed to Kentucky um, was very appealing. And it was a project where I could sell not just our whiskeys, but the whiskeys of everybody else and feel good about it and feel mm-hmm. in a sort of collaborative way that we were all pushing this collective agenda, um, which was, in a, you know, not in opposition to each other. And so um, it ended up being a great project and now we can barely make enough of it. So, um, awesome. so we have gotten, to, and, and actually I will say um, the New York distillers are all like, very cool people you know distillers yeah. are cool people i mean yeah. it takes as you say you have to be crazy you have to be extraordinarily um you have to have a certain kind of charisma to be able to walk into a room and say i make this stuff that's you know <laughs> it's like toxic to your body uh, <laughs> come come I'm come drink so it with good. me. <laughs> right. Um, you know, come like uh, get yourself a little closer to your, you know, deathbed sure. by yeah. uh, hanging out and drinking this thing that I made. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, so, uh, so like Tom Potter is runs New York Distilling Company and he was half of the Brooklyn Brewery and kind of an elder statesman in the spirit space. And um, 
you know, just getting, just getting to know kind of who, everybody else, mm-hmm. um, has, has been a lot of fun. And, um, I, I guess I feel that way about, you know, all the distillers that I get to meet, um, you know, the most fun, I think you can have drinking with distillers and, um, you know, people who know the whiskey business in and out. I mean, it's just, right. you know, there's a lot. There's, it, that, to those there's conversations, those cause me to drink a lot, but they are interesting conversations. From what I can remember, remember them the next day. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> I, so I, but, we'd be kind of remiss not to, but I understand that you are a, a an accomplished author as well. Mm, yes. Um, yeah. how, how many how many books are you up to at this point? Well, this is I'm working on my third book. Okay. So the first book was called The Guide to Urban Moonshining, which was a little bit of a, if you want to make whiskey at home and, you know, you, you, and you're dead set on that, you could follow the instructions and make pretty much, you know, I mean, it, it, it just kind of lays it out in a very non-technical, pretty basic informative way of how you, you know, mash in a lobster pot and what kind of yeast to use and how do you load that into a little hobby still and how much heads and hearts and tails do you take you know just very kind of um not a lot of diff- different recipes in there just kind of like basic stuff um but that book allowed me to kind of go uh travel around kentucky and visit distilleries because it wasn't just about making whiskey but it was also about like the commercial landscape of whiskey um, there was a graphic in the book that shows all these different family trees of bourbon, like all the different mash bills and corporate owners and where everything comes from. Um, and it's kind of demystifying the commercial world of bourbon, because I guess for me, one of the reasons that I got so interested in distilling is I felt like I loved bourbon, but bourbon had really been taken away from Kentuckians in a certain sense, because it all belonged to Diageo and Campari and, you know, these global companies that in certain cases, certainly Diageo's case, didn't really understand bourbon. I mean, they understand Scotch whiskey, but kind of treated bourbon as this like joke to follow Scotch. And, you know, I just felt like there was so much opportunity to uh, make bourbon, you know, in the way that it used to be made in the way that it should be made. And so, um, so I kind of, you know, was interested in being a little provocative with that book that was kind of just saying, um, you know, a lot of this stuff is not really that interesting, but there's so much opportunity and so much history and so much tradition that is still valid. And I think, you know, in the past 10 years, a lot of people have come up and seized a lot of that opportunity. I mean, the, the landscape yeah. of... Kentucky bourbon looks a lot different than it did when that book came out in 2013, where, you know, you really had Jim Beam and, and, um, Brown Foreman and a few others, you know, it was really like 80% of the whiskey that, that was sold came from either Jim Beam or Jack Daniels. Right. And now, you know, there's a lot more variety. There's a lot of, uh, a lot more different distillers. There's a lot of different kinds of distillers, whether you're looking at column still big distillers, pot still small distillers um even within the tradition of kentucky bourbon and then you've got all this stuff going on outside of that too you've got single malts from the northwest and 
Texas whiskey, which is very barrel forward and barbecue forward. And um, so, you know, it's just, um, so that book was a little bit kind of uh, introducing somebody to the world of whiskey if they didn't know anything about it at all. And then the second book was called Dead Distillers. And that was really part of the fun of writing the first book was to get into the New York City history of distilling, but also kind of touching on some of the stuff. And so I went to go to write that book. I went to go visit cemeteries in Louisville and Bardstown and Cincinnati has a lot of distillers buried there and really telling in some cases lost stories. Well, that I was working on, there's a distillery in Brooklyn that has dead distillers. And I was like, were there ever distilleries in Brooklyn? That doesn't, you know, I mean, nobody ever thinks of Brooklyn as a place where there were distilleries, but there really were pre civil war. Really. There were a lot of distillers. And so, um, kind of learning some of those stories and then, um, you know, getting to know, you know, people like Jim Beam and Jack Daniel, but, but, uh, Isaac Bernheim and, and kind of some, some people that are a little further afield off the beaten path. And then, you know, U S presidents were distillers, George Washington, right. Um, William Henry Harrison is, uh, just outside Cincinnati had a distillery Andrew Jackson, of course, but, um, so, you know, I mean, just, there's this kind of like crazy wild history. Again, distillers are cool people and they've always been cool people. And, um, I think because of the vice aspect of distilling, you have to have a certain kind of personality to like get past the vice, (laughs) you know? And, and, um, so anyway, so that, that was a fun book to write. And then the next book that I'm working on is just traveling around the country. Um, you know, talking about all the whiskeys that are new to some extent. If you're if you're going to be in Kentucky, where should you go visit, and wow. what should you drink? And if you're going to be in um, Seattle, where should you go, and what should you drink? And if you're going to be in Nashville, what you know? So that sounds really cool. What's the what's the expected? Yeah. Uh, Let's you and I turn that into like a TV series, and we'll just travel to all these places and drink. I mean, you know, done and done. I think it sounds great. Yeah, I, I pitched yeah. that. I, I so, had that idea pitched to me one time, and we ended up. We were. It was COVID that killed it, but it was going to be one of those things. Yeah. Like, like when you know, where do you go when you're in a certain city? Where do you go, and how do you drink whiskey like a local? And that was kind of the premise <laughs> yeah. of the of the thing. And I thought that I, we. I was like, yeah. that sounds that like a ton of fun. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you're gonna have Sold. to censor me maybe, a lot. Maybe more, yeah, maybe more fun to make than to watch. But I yeah. don't know. I watch it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think our production so, company would be on board with that too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, but anyway, I've also been using the opportunity of the book to to revisit a lot of whiskeys that, um, you know, that, that I you know kind of like things change in in ten years, and you may not have had a whiskey for. 10 years and have an impression of it and then go revisit it and be pleasantly surprised. And I think, you know, what you care about changes over time. I mean, that's just true of anybody in any business, but, Mm -hmm. um, it sounds fascinating. What, when's the, when's your anticipated, uh, published date release date, uh, for that book? I'm hoping for fall of 23. Nice. So so it's like still forever. I mean, the book is written. 
let me just be clear. It's, yeah. written, <laughs> it's like pretty much designed. I'm just working on some like tasting notes right now, but it takes that long. Oh, that's, that's so, notes. that's my favorite part is tasting notes. That is, that is so, <laughs> so much fun. Um, dude, Colin, I'll tell you, I, I don't know how often you get back. I don't know if your family's still in Kentucky or not, or, or if you visit very often, but dude, next time you're in town, please let me know. I'd love to have a couple pours with you and tell some lies. And I got, um, yes, I think that would be, uh, quite, quite, quite fun. And, and, uh, yeah, let's do it. I mean, if David's not I shooting, I was, I was there canteen commercial, he could come visit or something, you know, <laughs> smile and right, right. wave, we'll, we'll, smile and wave. We'll, yeah, let's go. We'll set it up. Yeah, we'll yeah. Make sure we visit the hair salon and uh, <laughs> right. do some drinking. Welcome yeah. to the club. I love that idea. I love that idea. I, I feel like a lot of ideas come out of this podcast. Just this is what yeah. what it turns into is kind of a brainstorming session. But I love that idea. Mm-hmm. Let's, uh, let's make that happen, and we'll shoot a podcast. We'll report, record a podcast. We'll record some content. Are, are you talking about? You love the idea of getting your hair done, or you love yes. the idea of getting—is that which, which one are you we'll talking go, about? Here? We'll, all, we'll all go get Manny's petties, drink some whiskey, <laughs> yeah, tell those stories. Right, right. Colin and I'll see you after. Clearly, <laughs> clearly, yeah, I he and I time. care a lot less about what our hair looks <laughs> like than you do. <laughs> Definitely. Oh man. Um, no, man, this has been, this has been awesome. Yeah. Thank you for coming on. Thanks for doing this. Actually, you know, I, I, I almost feel like we, um, we just kind of hit the tip of the iceberg. So if we can drag you back on here yeah. again sometime yeah, and, and, and revisit, you know, some of the stuff and talk about what, you know, what's to come and what's, what's the, you know, in, in the, in the future and, and things like that, that'd be, that would be really cool. Yeah, sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Definitely to. would love a part two and, um, yeah, I, I've got all these questions coming to mind, but we, we, you know, we obviously want to limit the, um, the window of this, this particular episode, but yeah, I would love to have you back in the future, Colin. It's been a, cool. such a yeah, pleasure. Thanks for, thanks for, uh, sharing and, and giving us your time and, um, gosh, what an honor got folks. If you, if you've not been to Kings County distillery in Brooklyn, you have to, it's a, it's an absolute must to visit such a, such a wonderful experience. Uh, maybe you'll run into Colin and be able to pick his brain and um, mm-hmm. um, yeah, absolutely. And I will say, I mean, we do have whiskeys. We're distributed in like 20 States. Oh, uh, good for you. We are even distributed in Kentucky uh, and Tennessee. Mm-hmm. So, uh, uh, and yeah, Missouri too. So, yeah. um, so we're, 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 we're findable, not yeah, maybe that's easily awesome. findable, but um but the kind of boutique places that, that seek out the more, I don't even want to call our whiskeys unusual, but I guess in the scheme of things, maybe they're somewhat perceived that way. But, um, uh, but yeah, we, our, our bourbon is our most popular. And then we hit our peated bourbon is probably the next most popular whiskey that we make. Mm-hmm. So yeah. those would be good places to start. If anybody's curious to Sweet. get into Kings County. And you, and you guys have a pretty good online presence as well. Um, you can buy direct from your, your right, website. right. Yeah. Well, I should just say it goes to a usually a, a New York retailer yeah. who then fills the order. So we can't actually right. ship direct, but I mean, it's is that like a similar bar setup. Yeah. 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 Well, you know, there's so, like I said, there's so many things coming to mind. I w- would love to revisit this, get into some of the history. You know, I've, I, I recall not to get into the weeds, but I recall some of the stories I heard about the Brooklyn whiskey 
wars. Oh, I, yeah, um, whiskey wars. Yeah, and, yeah. And kind of the, how the neighborhood uh, would come together to alert folks. That, you know, the 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 the, the feds are coming mm-hmm. or the uh, the prohibition right, police, right. and you know, throwing bricks from the you know third stories of, of buildings and <laughs> yes. <those> things. Fascinating. <laughs> should, fascinating. It was women and children throwing the bricks. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The story was told correctly. Yeah. yeah. Well, let's do it again <laughs> soon. The men were busy Absolutely. like hiding. Yeah. Or making cool. making Thanks, uh, distilling. Yeah, thank you. Thank you very much. Colin Spolman from Kings County Distillery. Yes, thank you for taking David's call. A lot of people don't do that. We really appreciate you doing that. Thank you. <laughs> we'll send you a, we'll send you a bottle My of 2XO for, for your time. Thank you very much. Good, yeah. yeah good. Folks, don't forget to awesome. like, share, follow, subscribe. This, uh, you know, we're, we're trying to get this content out there for those whiskey uh, nerds, obsessors, um, you know, folks that love to talk about and drink whiskey and um, get kind of down into the weeds. So we appreciate your uh, your following and um, be sure to to uh, follow, subscribe, all the things. Thanks again, Colin Spolman. Uh, Dixon, always a pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for joining us, Dixon Deadman. That's the big Dixon <laughs> FU right there. No, I appreciate it. <laughs> Y'all have a good one. Cheers, everybody. We'll see you next time.